we just came up with this idea to do a flyer and just distribute it and do this event but never thought that we want to set up any rescue because we're quite busy people uh, we have very demanding jobs so we said fine let's help with this puppy event and that's it but then My name is Donia and I live in Qatar. My name is James and I live in Qatar. Hello everyone, my name is Kayan and I am a co-host on this episode of Qatar in Quotes. Hello everyone, my name is Dalal and I will be the second host of this episode. Today we have with us Donia and James, a married couple who established a foster-based group called Bark and Q in 2016 with the goal of helping and supporting stray dogs in need in Qatar. Can you please just tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you came to be in Qatar? I was born in the UK, uh, but I was raised in Egypt. Um, And I live in Qatar since, um, let's say, 17 years now. So I came here when my mom moved uh, from Cairo to Qatar to work for one of the big uh, hotel industries here. I've been here 12 years. I was asked to come here to join one of the big four uh, management consultancy firms. That was 2008. And I've been here working um, with with most of the senior companies in Qatar for about the last 12 years. So the first question we have about Barking Q is, when did you establish it and why? Okay, so this was... June of 2016, basically someone came to us and said she had found 28 puppies and she needed someone to help find homes for them. So being original, I said, let's find a name that we can start this with and let's do a puppy event and see if we could find some foster homes for them. And it is literally Bark in Cutter. Bark in queue. Literally, we had 24 hours to come up, set up an event. Uh, for with a logo and everything. With a logo flyer. and everything, which we did in 24 hours. And to be honest, we just came up with this idea to do a flyer and just distribute it and do this event. But never thought that we want to set up any rescue because we're quite busy people. Uh, we have very demanding jobs. Uh, we work full time, me and James. So we said, fine, let's help with this puppy event. And that's it. But then something really happened in my my life, and that was a turnover when uh, my dog. Yeah, so Donya's dog of 14 years died. So we thought we'd do something um, in her memory. Now, unfortunately, the puppy event was a complete failure. It wasn't a failure in terms of finding the dog's homes, but it was the fact is that within a few weeks, a month, we had 90% of the dogs back again. And we focus on the dogs who are really damaged, abused, and really need help. So if a dog is starving, um, needs hospital care and things like this, that's the area of the market that we focus on. Small, white, uh, fluffy things, you know, toy dogs is not our things. We look after the, the mutts. So we focus really on the Doha mutts. 
So why did the people give back the dogs? So when you like, when they spoke to you, what did they say exactly? Families came with good intentions, mm. but little 90% of them got bored. 90% of them didn't have animals before. Poo, pee, things like this weren't considered. Costs weren't considered. So when you vaccinate a dog, so we're, we try to educate people that when you have a dog here, it's a dog is a dog for life. People didn't think about the cost of taking it back to their home. back home, yeah. where they were going. And then when they go away, a lot of people here go away for the summer for a month or two months. So there may be one of the parents staying here by themselves. And you have a puppy which is in a flat, whining, moaning. And then the next thing is not everyone had permission from the landlord. Yes, correct. The problem here as well, the, that the most residential areas, they don't allow uh, people to have their own dogs. So they're not really dog-friendly residential uh, 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 neighborhoods here in Qatar. And that's why lots of people, when they take in dog, and the dogs start to be a bit bigger, then they say, oh, we can't have it because the landlord or the neighbors are complaining. So then they call us to surrender the dog or they just open the door and let them go. And then the other thing is people, the other side of the coin is people buy dogs and they bring them in from Ukraine and other places. And from they puppy farms. Puppy farms. Yeah. And they bring in, I mean, the, the worst case is the young man who wants a big macho dog, mm. things like huskies and other things. And when the husky gets big, husky can do a lot of damage and they open the doors and let them out because if they're not trained properly they're not educated properly the dog can destroy houses and homes and if it's not trained it can also damage or hurt people inside so a lot of people just open the doors and let the dogs go and then we pick up the pieces so you started to touch on this um, talking about the jobs but is there a reason that when people foster or try to adopt a dog in Qatar, the success rates of them keeping it long-term is much lower than it seems to be when you send them to the US? Since, since we did this puppy event, we had around 20 or 25 puppies. And we, we started with a very big open heart that, okay, we will find adopters, why not? Okay, that was the first event four years back. And we adopted out to maybe 10 or 12 different families. Eight of the puppies returned back to us in a week or two weeks time. And since that moment, we said, nah, it's not going to work. There's a lot of puppies which are bought here for children as presents. We've been asked, can you bring puppies for birthday parties? Mm. Can you bring puppies? Can you, can you give us a puppy for a present for our daughter? Yeah. What for? Oh, just for the day. Take this take this pandemic yeah. as an example. In this pandemic, guys, lots of people, lots of expats lost their jobs, right? And they never thought of the circuits. They never had an exit plan in place. They never saved money to take the dogs to Australia or to South Africa. It's breaking our heart to see nine years old, 10 years old dog being surrendered. Prior to this, I guess, puppy event where this kind of triggered Bark and Q, 
Was there were you were you aware of these kind of issues and this was like the the last straw? You know, never never thought about that. I never thought that oh, there's lots of strays in Qatar before we set up this rescue. So I didn't see really the dark side of this place, and I call it the dark side because it's really really bad and it, it it's 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 not it's not appropriate to to have such an increasing um, stray population here in Qatar. I was here three days in 08 before I found my first stray. So I would literally find a dog during the summer. I'd keep it during the summer because no one else would take it because people disappeared and then try and find a home in September. So I, I had a almost like a slight revolving door of on a very small scale of dogs which were normally had been rejected yeah. because I had dogs which were very, very placid. So speaking of scale, so before you said it was like on a small scale, like what are we talking about now? How many dogs? So we we do only one thing. We take dogs off the street and we work with foster families. So we don't take a dog off the street unless we have a foster family. We mm -hmm. don't believe in kenneling dogs. Mm -hmm. We don't believe in putting them in cages. So we will take a dog off. No matter the state, we've had dogs with broken backs, broken legs. We don't, Behavioral issues. We, we don't make that decision. The dog needs help, full stop. Mm. We will then deal with it once it's... So we will vet it, find a foster family, and then we'll work towards getting it to America. We have a great lady who was here with the American National Guard who was rescuing dogs. Her and her family over in Minnesota have set up barking rescue across the globe. So they are almost like a sister... So they help us in Sister America. Rescue, yeah. Sister Rescue. If we're talking about the scale now, you're talking about, in average, let's say we've been set up by like four years now. Yeah, we've done yeah, 800, four, 860. We're talking about around 800 dogs. We've sent overseas. We sent overseas. So, and, and these are either surrendered by people who are leaving the country because they lost their jobs or dumped, or abused, or Strays. or vets calling us that they have this dog surrendered or dumped at the vet door and they are ready to put it down if we cannot collect. So because we, again, if you think about it, vet clinics are not for charity. They are trying to help us by calling us and telling us, can you please help this dog? So thankfully, there's still people with with a little bit of, you know, heart to call us and say, can you help this dog instead of what can we do with it? And then there's also the strays. So there's there's the strays that we find, yeah. the strays that some of the workers find, and then there's litters of strays. So we've had quite a few. Donya has been climbing underneath water tanks to pull out strays of eight. We were down on the American base pulling out 12 dogs underneath containers. You know, we you can find dogs anywhere. You've just got to look. Could you run us through this process of, so from the very beginning, finding the strays to so, sending them off? So literally, and this is, normally Donya is contacted by someone who's seen a dog or there is a dog. Donya is the main focal point of information. So they will contact her and say, 
we have found a dog or a dog needs help. Now, either the person will bring it to the vet or Donya will go and collect it and it's taken to a number of vets. Now, there are a number of vets who work with us very closely and very positively. Yeah. We will then get the dog sorted, vaccinated, uh, cleaned, neutered. Uh, neutered. You know, we will get the dog off the street and safe. We then, as soon as Donya gets a call, she starts calling people to see if we can find it at home for that night. So yeah. literally, we start getting the dog. To find a foster home. Some of these dogs, we go to specific people who we know are experienced. Some people are less experienced. So we make judgment calls. We've got some people who work with us on a regular basis. The, the group has gone from 50 down to about 10. Now, now, back to the process. Once the dog is in foster, we ask the foster home not to pay anything. We pay everything in the vet for them, right? But once the dog is in foster... Then we ask them to send us photos and videos and a little bit of a bio about the character of the dog and why. So we know what is the right fit in USA. So we go to our rescue partners who we have like we have two main ones, traveling, yeah, but and we barking, have about five or eight and we have five or eight around USA. So we send them all the photos and video and bio about the dog and say, OK, please list this dog. They start listing the dog and finding it. Uh, forever home once the dog is adopted we tell the foster home okay the dog is adopted let's get you a crate to start crate training the dog so who is buying the crate us so we get a crate delivered to them and they start the crate training and then we have to find a flight buddy tell them about the flight buddy struggle then so the flight buddy <laughs> so if you fly to america there is a way that you can attach things to your ticket Right. So that literally you can say, right, I want to take five dogs. Mm. Last weekend, we had 29 go with one lady. Yeah, but not all from us. I mean, yeah, from different, different rescue groups. Yeah. But they're, they attached 29 pieces or 29 crates to her ticket. But each crate costs a thousand reals, right, to fly. So each. So remember, each dog has been vaccinated, which is 1500 reals thing or spade is another no but we're talking about these are the rack rates we have of course discounted rates but usually the the crate depends on the size of the dog so it's between 500 or 700 right the ticket is depending on the weight the weight of the dog inside the crate so it's either 730 it's a set price or 1130 so it's a set everyone knows it so when we ask people to come and donate something, we say, guys, if you don't trust us as people, you can go to the airport with us and, and pay, pay it on the spot. Or you can go to the vet and, and buy a crate and leave it there for us. You don't have to give us money at all. We don't take cash. It's all direct to the vet against our bills. See, the problem is it's that once the crate, so the dog is crate trained, so you get it used to, so it doesn't get scared in the crate. The dog comes to the airport, flies with the flight buddy. We've done all the paperwork here, which, that's, is, a, that's a, a which is a lot of paperwork yeah. per dog. Yeah. And then it goes over to the States. They land. Then we, literally, I'm not joking, this is one of the most wonderful sights in the world. No matter wh who you rescue with it, mm. if you go in and you see a dog rescue, you see that these dogs have landed. Then they have groups of people. And um, normally it's a l very large groups of ladies. The dog is literally taken out of the crate, cleaned, 
and fussed over like nothing like you can never it is absolutely wonderful to see these dogs have a new and then they get pictures of them in the car and they're going off to the new homes and they stay with either they're either directly adopted by a family or fostered and we're still getting pictures and you we're following up from four dogs. years yeah. four years and I'm not joking, these people, they picked up this dog which was dirty, messy yeah. on the streets and then you suddenly see this fuss or it's running yeah. around in a green grass in in uh, Chicago. Whatever, and it, yeah. The, the thing is, we have regular foster families, we have regular flight buddies, we have regular donors. And these people, when they started doing it four years back, they never thought that it, it is so... Heartwarming. Heartwarming. And once they saw these dogs from the street to a beautiful home there, they said, oh, we want to do that all the time. We cannot have a dog forever here. We cannot adopt a dog because we know that we can lose our job in a second and we have to be sent back home. So what can we do with the dog? So it's better to foster than to adopt. And we have some, there's 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 group of people here in Cat Foundation and it used to compete with each other how many dogs they could take. Yeah. So it started off with two, then it went to As four. As flight buddies. You're talking yeah. about some of the professors here. They would they would actually have a competition. By the way, I'm taking six, I'm taking eight, I'm taking 10, but it's quite bizarre. This seems to be a very lengthy and time-consuming process. What would you say is the most challenging part, or where do you face the most difficulties? Uh, the 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 most challenging thing in the whole process is finding the right foster home, because to trust people, once they close the door and they have a dog, you don't know what's going on inside, right? So you have to trust these people to keep the dog for two to three months until we can find a flight buddy to take the dog out of Qatar to the US, to their forever homes. A dog cannot fly to the USA unless it's vaccinated to a certain level, rabies, and there's a number of other injections. Then it also needs to be six months. Minimum. Minimum, six months old. So if we find a puppy who's five weeks old, we've got to keep it for six months, right? And now, not all the foster homes can keep the puppies for five or six months. Some people call us after 48 hours from taking the dog and say, oh, I cannot have my beauty sleep, I cannot have the dog anymore. Can you please collect the dog? Some people ask us to make appointments in the vet. Some people ask us to work around their leave and holiday. So we have a schedule of foster homes when they are going on holiday and when they are going on leave so we can take the dog back and put it in another foster home or in boarding and pay this boarding fee. And when they come back... We pay the boarding fee, remember? Yeah. So, so it's a struggle. It is so, a struggle. But there are some people, and there are some people who are very genuine, who will bend over backwards to help us, but can't afford it. So mm. we have to try and help them. They don't have transport. So, the, the, And these are very genuine people. Mm. who, And it's normally the people who can't. Yeah. <laughs> and they really do want to help, but they just can't do things. So you have to help them. A, a lady had a dog that died, which was her best friend. And she donated 120 kilos of dog food. That went down For to the For the memory of her, yeah. Yeah, in memory of her dog. Yeah, so the food correct. went down to the guys in the industrial area to, to, feed, feed the to feed their dogs. The great thing about dog rescue is you see the positive things at the end. Yeah. The thing that you don't see is when you literally put, 
pull it out of the garbage, the trash, or basically SH1, you know, it re we find them in the really, like all the other rescuers do, and there's a lot of the people who find the dogs in a really, really bad state and a bad place. We, we have a dog who is used in fight, dog fighting, right? We've got another dog that had 38 cigarette burns all over its body and tied up in the middle of a, a beach. We've got dogs which we've had to literally rescue from the locations that they are because of the abuse. Someone told me something which I never believed until I saw it down in the industrial area. I've seen people drive with their cars, open the doors, dogs jumped out, they've closed the doors and they've driven off. One of the stories which is really classic, we found a dog which had been abandoned in a vet in a pet shop, right? Three stories up in old downtown Doha. This is one of the things which really got us going. Oh, Big Ben. Mm. Big Alsatian, someone couldn't handle. He had been put in the cage for two years. He'd never been left out of the cage. He had chewed so all of his teeth had gone, Chewed right? He had closed his eyes so his lights had sealed over so he couldn't see because he never used his eyes. He just walked around in a circle. So when we found him, the vets here thought he was blind. We got him out to a lady who was working, uh, living out on Al Wakra Beach, and he started coming back to life. We sent him over to the States, right? He wasn't blind. He had just his eyes, some, a skin had just grown over his eyes. The vet repaired it in 30 seconds. He lived a couple of years, but he had a quality of life with a lady who, when he died, she took another one from us. I feel sometimes people look at dogs as like objects rather than like, you know, it's like a soul at the end of the day. It's, uh, it's like it's the way that we look at it. Yeah, we can't look it's at not it just like a soul, object. it's the perfect soul. It's the most loyal soul. The question is, how long can we do this? It's coming to the end because... It's very tiring, yeah. It's very tiring. We have lost... 80% of our people who are fosterers. We have lost virtually all financial support now. Because of the pandemic. People yeah. are just struggling. We can't do it by ourselves because, I mean, so each dog, two and a half, three and a half thousand. Some dogs have cost us up as much as 10,000 due to medical. Yeah. Times by 800. If you're any good at maths, that's around about 2.2 million. Yeah, so it seems like that... Um, it's it takes a lot of your time, honestly. Like, I can't imagine what it's like dealing with so many dogs and dealing. Also, I really like the fact how this turned from like just a puppy kind of event into an international kind of collaboration as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just amazing. And what I wanted to ask is, how can our listeners contribute and help you guys out? Whether it's for a barking cue or just for the whole situation. The, the, the phrase is this, and let's be honest. All the rescuers need help. Qatar res rescue community needs help, full stop. You can do anything. You can actually, if you go to Carrefour, you can buy a, a bag of dog food, cat food or whatever and give it to a vet to ask what things. You can put food outside and water outside where you live for the dogs, cats, whatever. That's really, really simple. If you're feeling financially inclined you can make a contribution towards a crate a flight whichever way you want 
And by the way, most people will welcome you. If you've made a contribution or, or if you, people want to see what happens and you want to go and see what the airport's like, you know, there's a lot. If you look at the Barking Q website, you'll see it's quite a phenomenal site. Now you see why we do it. The, sm the smiles on our faces. Your story is so inspiring and it's so amazing to hear about all the time and money and effort you put into helping the rescue community in Qatar and how you've built this organization from a small puppy event four years ago to now something that spans multiple countries. It's just incredible to hear about your passion and your dedication and of course it's really heartbreaking to hear about all the dogs in Qatar that are being abused, that are being neglected. Um, thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your story with us. Um, we hope that we can bring more awareness to the needs of the rescue community in Qatar. If there's anyone out there listening to this podcast who's willing to be a flight buddy or a sponsor or help pay for a crate or just donate a single can of dog food, um, we really encourage you to check out Barking Q's Facebook page and just to see what you can do as a member of Qatar's community to help our stray dogs. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Qatarin Quotes to know what's in store on the next episodes.